0: Something For You. Do you have your Bibles? You can turn them to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 26. We're going to build upon what we began last week in regards to the series called Something For You. It's wonderful when you know there is something for you. Last night, my mother-in-law, who flew in on Wednesday afternoon she conveniently lost her bag and, and you'll know it's my mother-in-law because when you walk around the church she'll be the one with the disapproving look on her face <laughs> all, all the time uh, her name is Kathy Brown she's a lovely lady and but also uh, she's she's genuine a, a tremendous uh, encouragement and she's very supportive of taking her daughter away from Mississippi all the way back to Australia and I stole her and she's okay with that so it's just wonderful and they had the bag that was lost, and they brought the bag in, and I was in the bedroom, and I heard something in the other, other part of the house saying, hmm, this is for Michael. You know how nice it is to hear that? This gift that I brought is for Michael, and it's wonderful when you hear your own name, and you know someone has a gift for you, and you know that you have to hold it up and go, and <laughs> this is true, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, But even so, it's wonderful when the gift is for you and you're excited about something is for you. Well, God has something for you this Christmas season. Last week, Pastor Larry talked about the fact that we have a new government. And the list off from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that he's a wonderful and a counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we're going to take that, part, that last part, that Prince of Peace, and who is this peace that we're going to talk about today? And we're going to build on it with the prophet Isaiah. The question of the day is this can i experience peace today is peace possible in our world and in our lives and some of us where our circumstances are quite the opposite we look at our circumstances and we go there's nothing peaceful about our circumstances we prayed for anthony and charmaine and the the baby that is growing and developing there's nothing naturally peaceful about their situation what you want is everything to be smooth and easy at the work you want everything to be smooth and easy no conflict no problems you want all the customers to come in happy Teachers, you want your students to be coming well-rested and perfect little angels that did all their homework, and there's no colds or no, no, no noses to wipe. Everything is smooth and easy, but that's not reality of our world at all. Driving on the highway, we all want it to be smooth and easy. And if you've driven to Perth much, you know Coburn Central area. You're gonna hit traffic every single time you go. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Peace is not the absence of problems. I want you to mold that over. Peace is not a world that has no issues whatsoever, peace is actually God's presence. God's protection and God's provision. And when we are living in God's presence and we're living underneath his protection and through and in his provision, we actually naturally experience peace when everything around us is in turmoil. We live in a world that is in turmoil today. How can I experience peace? And our principle for today is this. It's a very simple statement. I can experience peace from God through Jesus. That's not a surprise at all. In fact, it's a pretty simple. I mean, you're in church; you kind of expect that to be the principle for today, don't you? But let's go beyond just thinking. Okay, well, I've heard this before. Let us delve into seeing what people 2,700 years ago were experiencing. Let me give you a little bit of background on the prophet Isaiah. We scratched the surface last week, and I'm going to scratch the surface again at this time. This is during a time of turmoil in the nation of Israel. There was conflict going on. There was uncertainty. And the prophet Isaiah had the task of telling the people, there's judgment coming. Watch out. Get ready. And also he was giving judgment for the various Nations surrounding Israel as well. And if you look right in the middle, I we, we asked you earlier to turn to Isaiah chapter 26. The previous chapters, he lists off all these various judgments for all the various nations surrounding them. And you hear the bad news. And then he transitions and turns it around in chapter 26. And he says, but here is some good news for you. Here's something that all of us can grasp onto. And he's talking specifically to the nation of Israel. But through that, we can make our application today. In Isaiah chapter number 26, verses 1 through 4, it says, In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Here's the song. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates the, of that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And he goes on, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. We see and we sang about it this morning, the angel singing, praises to God about the birth of Jesus Christ. And when the angels came and appeared before the shepherds and woke them up out of their slumber and began to praise God with that heavenly glorious choir, they said this in Luke chapter number 2, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased they promised peace isaiah 2700 years ago promised peace you ever had someone just say just stop worrying that's some of the most unhelpful advice you could ever get because it's empty. It's like com- someone coming along in, in, in a, a circumstance of turmoil and saying, Just have peace. And you go, That's great. Where do I find this peace? And that's exactly what Isaiah was doing. He's saying, Peace is coming, but let me tell you the directions. Let me show you how to discover, how to find this peace this week. I was asked directions by a person. I was in Bunbury. I was down on Victoria Street, and I heard shouting behind me, which isn't particularly unusual. This man was shouting in a car behind me, and I turned around, and I realized he's shouting at me. And he's shouting from his car, heading the opposite direction because I was walking along the pavement, and he says, which way to, and he asked directions. I felt that I gave him correct directions at the time. <laughs> I said, It's on the other side of town on Picton Road over there. Over there. And he goes, hey, Thank you. And I, th- I felt pretty good about myself. And then I thought, I don't think he wants the bus station. I think he wants the bus stop area on the other side, just around the corner. It was too late. And I felt really bad getting in the car, thinking that poor guy thinks this stupid guy gave me bad directions. <laughs> I did send him to the bus terminal, and that is, that's what he asked for. He asked for the bus station, so I sent him to the bus station. This the wrong one. But you ever given someone wrong directions? It's a horrible feeling. The other side of that is, you ever got bad directions? And you go, I'm following these things, and you, correctly, I don't know where to go. I don't know where I am. Well, the same thing for peace for you and for me. Every single one of us wants to experience peace. And here Isaiah is promising perfect peace. It's something here that isn't just okay peace. It is this perfect peace for our lives. How can we experience that? Well, my proposition to you today is that every single one of us can experience peace peace in our lives when we live in and through jesus christ we have two biblical principles from this passage in isaiah 26 that we're going to apply to our life today and see how we can go out and live lives of peace as a result the first point is this perfect peace comes when our thoughts are supported by a godly foundation the second is trust a solid godly foundation. So let's go to that first point. The thoughts are supported by a godly foundation. You believe in something. On the screen is verse number three. And I've underlined two words. The word is mind and the word stayed are underlined. We all believe in something. Every single one of us has beliefs. But what we believe in genuinely makes a difference. When our foundation fails to be established upon a, a godly foundation, you will end up believing anything or anyone. On Monday, when I began preparing this message, I was looking through news.com.au and scrolling through, and this particular article came up that was from the New York Post. And this New York Post article tells about a man named Samuel Bateman. He's a 46-year-old man who claims to be a Mormon prophet. And as this prophet, he claims that he has a prophetic word from God, and he has 50 followers that followed him. And part of those 50 followers is he has 20 wives. The majority of them are underage, and one of them is his daughter. And this is the statement that he made. I've never had more confidence in doing His will. Talking about God's will. It's all out of love. I think with confidence we can all agree, no, it's not. When we fail to believe in a firm foundation in our thoughts, we'll end up believing anything. It's remarkable that a man that can just claim to be a prophet has 50 followers. It goes on. Let's read that verse in verse number three. It says, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. If you study out that word mind, that literally means the source of our our mind. It means our thoughts and everything that we think through. Anything that is formed by our brain is our thoughts. And that's what it's referring to when it says our mind, which we have many, many thoughts. We have thoughts that are true. We also have thoughts that are absolutely untrue. And just because I have thought something doesn't mean that I believe it. So therefore, when we do have thoughts, where are our thoughts coming from? What's the foundation behind our thoughts? First of all, we say we're going to build upon what we began last week in Romans chapter number 12. Our thoughts need to have be based upon a renewed mind. Romans chapter 12, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind. The show that they no longer make anymore is called American Restoration. And maybe you watch that TV show as well. And I really enjoy that TV show where they they take something that's an antique, rusty piece of trash that you would naturally throw away and they go, give me a couple of weeks. And they come back and it's looking brand new once again. And what they do in the meantime is they cut out and they take off all of the old paint. They take all the rust and they cut it out and they replace it with new parts. They weld it in. They make it as if it was brand new once again. And so often in our lives, our minds have not actually been renewed. We're carrying around the beliefs and the thoughts of our past, and we're actually trying to add them over the biblical foundation. And what we're discovering, if you've ever done woodwork or metalwork, is if you don't have a good, solid base, it won't stick. You ever try to paint a wall without priming it first? You end up doing it twice and costing you twice as long and twice as much. You have to have the right foundation. And if you haven't haven't renewed your mind, if you're just trying to add on the old thoughts upon the biblical foundation, you're going to have trouble time and time again. We also have a renewed mind. We have a spiritual mind. We're filtering everything that's going in and through our mind and in through our thoughts. Is this what from God? Is this spiritually from God, or is this the natural man? In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 2, verse number 12, the Apostle Paul, who's writing to a church that's known as a carnal church. This church has a lot of moral issues and problems within this church. This is a hard letter that he's writing. And he's writing this letter, he's encouraging them and challenging them in the opening chapters, and it says this, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And what he's saying there is why are you going back to the old way? We've been given a new way of thinking, a new mind. Rather than living the old way, let's live the new way. Our world is filled with distractions and i don't think i need to say anything just show this picture on the screen you know exactly what i'm talking about if you've seen the movie up you realize that there's so many distractions in our world and as soon as we start trying to be focused upon the things of god and we try to say okay god my mind is going to be a spiritual mind we get distracted instantly like the squirrel squirrel And we get focused upon other things time and time again. So how do we overcome that? Should we just remain or should we move forward? And the Apostle Paul addresses that in the the following verses. He starts off with saying, you should have the mind of God. And we're going, great, how do we do that? We'll keep reading. And it says in verses 14 through 16, it says, the natural person, the old way of living, does not accept the things from the Spirit of God. Why? For they are folly to him. They are foolish. We see that in our world constantly. Holy things of God are mocked and made fun of. God's name is used as a swear word. You being a Christian and being in church is like, why would you waste your Sundays? It's a folly to them. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And he goes on in verse number 16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Here it goes. But we have the mind of Christ. The natural mind, the things that you are doing today, the way that you are raising your family, the biblical foundation of what you are basing your thoughts upon are foolishness to the world around us. But here it says we have a different mind. We have a spiritual mind and it's given to us through Jesus Christ. We have a renewed mind, a spiritual mind, and it goes back down to the foundation, a supported mind. That verse in Isaiah chapter number 26, verse 3, it says the mind is stayed on you. That word stayed, it has to do with a foundation. It literally means something that's upheld and laid and supported. But it also has the understanding of to lean upon. What are you, in a very real way, you want perfect peace? Your mind needs to be leaning upon the things of God. We're supported, but what are we supported by? The book of James, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, talking about a doubting person, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Teaching my son how to drive has been a joy. (laughs) One of the things that I've been encouraging him with, and I think all of you would agree with this in the way that we we drive, hesitation on the road is dangerous. Either go or stop, but don't go stop. Because that's dangerous. And hesitation of should I, shouldn't I is a very scary thing. Trying to pull out on the bustle highway, and if you have hesitation, it's scary. You think should I, shouldn't I, particularly when you're in the, the passenger seat. It's a dangerous thing. And Caden's an excellent driver. We have a supported mind, as it says in Philippians chapter number four, verses eight and nine. What are we supposed to be thinking about? And this is advice that I give people often, and I give this advice to myself personally. When I find that my circumstances are not peaceful, And they're overwhelming rather than dwelling on the things that I shouldn't be dwelling on and being supported by things that I shouldn't be supported on. What should I be thinking about? And the book of Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine gives us a wonderful foundation. It says, finally, brothers, and here's what we should be thinking about. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, here's the command. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And here's the promise that the God of peace will be with you. We need to capture our thought life. How are you thinking? Absolutely every single one of us wants peace this Christmas season. We want to experience peace with God, but also the peace of God in our lives. So what we must do is we have our thoughts supported by a godly foundation. We have to renew our mind. We have to have a spiritual mind and a supported mind upon the things that are godly. But moving on from that. It's so easy in church on a Sunday morning to go, absolutely, I'm going to have the mind of Christ. And then in about an hour's time, you'll be home and then reality starts all over again. And then we start digressing back and going back. So let's put this into action. That's our second point this morning is the trust. We have our thoughts supported by a godly foundation. Well, what we trust upon is a solid godly foundation. Now, Isaiah is writing this prophecy, 700 B.C., to real people that were really going through turmoil, and he was writing words of encouragement and peace and promising them perfect peace. And it says in verses 3 and 4, You keep him in perfect peace because he trusts in you. And here's the command, the action steps for us. Where it goes beyond just the thoughts, now it's the action. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That word rock, the very last word, I looked it up. It literally means rock. It also means strength and mighty so this isn't the pebble god's an everlasting pebble it means a strong and mighty rock a boulder that's not going to be moved we have our source of trust the words that isaiah used in this prophecy here is very very important because he doesn't throw away words. He's not making vain promises and just writing along. He's using specific words here that give us hope and give us a foundation to trust upon. It says that trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God. If you look back upon those words, it literally means the Jehovah Yahweh. It is the Jehovah God. And there's some specific reasons why the word Jehovah and Yahweh is used here. It gives us a foundation of understanding this is something reverent. This isn't just any old god. This isn't any old lord or someone rich that's a landowner that may be called a lord. It's not the god of the surrounding nations because he's just, in the previous chapters, laid out judgment against those those false god-worshipping nations. Now he's turning it around and saying, "Let me explain exactly specifically who you're supposed to be trusting upon. The source of our trust is not and as as wonderful and smart and as clever as you are is not you. It's not your finances. It's not your degree. It's not your family. It's not your heritage. It goes right back to God. He's using real specific words here. And it's not just using words that are are simple to write. The scribes, the Jewish scribes, when they would write out the Scriptures. In Hebrew, you always write from right to left. So it's the opposite of the way we write. And they would write out the Scriptures. And when they would write them out, they would go back and review them. And if there was any mistakes, they would correct them, or they would actually they would use that parchment at all because they wanted it as clear and as, as, as correct as possible. Every letter. Now, you don't think also when they would write it out, they wouldn't be allowed to write by memory. Because you know some passages you become used to, and you know them, and you remember things incorrectly. So what they would have to do is, as they were writing it out, they would have to refer back to the page for every single word. That's how reverent they were to the scriptures, to the, to the preservation of making sure God's word was kept clean and pure. But even more reverent when they, when they came to the word Jehovah. And the way that Jewish people even today write the name God, they won't write out Jehovah all the way. They'll leave out the vowels to make it an impronounceable name because that's the reverence they have towards the things of, of God. And as they would write them out, the scribes would stop and they would have to ceremoniously wash themselves and purify themselves and prepare themselves mentally to write the name of God out on the parchment. That was the reverence that they had. So when Isaiah is writing here and saying, Jehovah Yahweh is the one we're supposed to trust in, he wasn't just saying, you know, choose any God that's going to work. He was writing out something very specific here. Maybe you've just thought to yourself, I know that already. I've heard that before because I've shared it before. I know that already, or I know about peace. I know about trusting in God. Let me encourage you to stop for just a moment. Don't waste another season of going through the motions again. I want you just to process this for just a moment. God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, says, I have peace for you. And I want you to experience that peace. So often in the Christmas season, we don't stop. We don't process the fact that God has something for us. It says there, trust in the Lord forever for the, for the Lord God. He has something for you this Christmas season. That peace that He offers is that perfect peace through a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. We have not only a source of trust, but we have a security to trust. We have something secure that we can trust upon. That passage continues on, and it finishes with the two words, everlasting rock. The everlasting rock is the God is firm and unchangeable. On my spell check, it came up and go, you should really use the word unchanging. And I thought, no, (laughs) I'm going to use the word unchangeable, even though it may not be the correct English word or the best use of the word. I find unchanging is it could change, but it's not going to. Unchangeable is God, here's how things are, and I am not going to be changed by any of you. In the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 22, verses 2 and 3, David is King David at this time, and he writes a song about God's provision. And he's in, it's, it's the very end of the book of Second Samuel, chapter 22. And then the next chapter is the very last words of David. So it's recorded at the very end of his life as he's re- looking back upon his life. And we don't know when it was actually this little song was written but it's reflection upon his entire life of God's provision, time and time and time again, of God being that everlasting rock. And as I use the word my on the screen, I want you to personalize that. And think of that for yourself, not for the person next to you, but for you. It says this, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. If you want some encouragement, read through 2 Samuel chapter 22. It's a very encouraging passage of God's provision. You can know the rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. So you too can sing that song like David sang, because Jesus himself refers to wisdom. And being a wise man in Matthew chapter seven, he tells the story about a wise man building his house upon a rock and a foolish man building his house upon the sand. And when the flood waters began to rise, what took place? The man that built his house upon the sand was knocked away and washed away, where the the house on the rock stood firm. And he goes back, and he's referring to himself. And the way I like to think of Jesus telling that story is every single time he referred to the the wise man building his house upon the rock, he pointed at himself. Because that's exactly what he was talking about there. And it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who's built his house on the rock. It's a well-known hymn called My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. It's commonly referred to as Solid Rock the very original title of the song was The Immutable Basis for Sinner's Hope, which doesn't really flow off your tongue all that easily. And it was written in 1863, so 160 years ago. It was written by a man named Edward Mote. And Edward had a very difficult upbringing. He was very far from God. And as a young man working his trade, he came to you know Christ as the Savior. The way the story is told is he came to the conclusion, I'm going to write a song today. And he wrote out the words to this, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Edward Mote later became a Baptist preacher in England. But as a, as a young man, this was his foundation of his life. Not only do we have an everlasting rock We have a mighty God. We read verses 1 through 4 of Isaiah 26. If you go to the next verse, verse number 5, it gives a promise of God's provision and what He was going to do for the nation of Israel. All these surrounding nations, what was going to take place. And He lays it out in verse number 5 and He says, For He has humbled the inhabitants of the height the lofty city, he lays it low, lays it low to the ground, cast it to the dust. It's quite a confusing way of saying we're going to be victorious in the end and we're going to have the victory. But it begins with those two points. The thoughts are supported by a godly foundation and we trust in a solid godly foundation. Jesus Christ came to earth not to make you a better person. He came to give you a godly foundation. And he came to take your sins and to wash you white as snow. So, as we talk about peace, peace is not circumstantial. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So, as you go out this week, how are you going to live life differently? Your circumstances as you leave this room today will be exactly the same as when you arrived. How will you live life differently? How can this Christmas season be the Christmas season of peace in your life as you go out?